Well, here we are once again with episode seven of That Time I Got Reincarnated in, in the, the Same world, world as an Anime Podcaster. I'm your host, Isekai Sensei-sama, a.k.a. Brad. And as always, I'm joined in the Weeb Cabal by Kermit D. Grog, a.k.a. Andrew. Howdy, howdy. I'm back from my globetrotting, ready to talk about some animes and mangers. And Bento Baggins, a.k.a. Ben. Konbanwa. Every single time. Okay. <laughs> Uh, if you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. Uh, and if you're new here, we're friends who have been watching anime and having discussions for a long time and decide to share those conversations through a podcast. Before we dive in, Freerin, Beyond Journey's End, Volume 4 came out recently. Yes, Recommend you pick that up. And don't forget to hit us up on social media so that we know what you think about Freerin and the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So, Andrew, did you uh, happen to listen to the episode that Ben and I did without you? I did. I got to hear the bonus episode where you talked all about isekais. It was like you guys had your own little spinoff. Yeah, it was. In- indeed, I, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, maybe Ben and I are going to strike out on our own or a little, uh, maybe call it a sequel to this podcast or a spinoff. <laughs> a prequel podcast? Has anybody tried that yet? <laughs> <laughs> Have a podcast for when we were, we were young boys. We technically do have prequel podcasts now that I think about it. The podcast that happened before this one. That's true. That is technically a prequel. Yeah. And could show up on this very channel. Who knows? What's interesting, though, is there's been a lot of sequels and spinoffs of anime and manga recently. So do you guys have any particular spinoffs or sequels to anime that you, like, really got into I know I personally read, which I believe is one of the inspirations for this, was reading through My Hero Academia Vigilante, which I thought was, I, I've really enjoyed it so far. It's not done yet, and I haven't caught up for a while, um, but I feel like it captures how big My Hero was in, in a way that we don't usually see in manga and anime, that we see in the West literally all the time. Because in the West, like, everything's getting a sequel or spinoff, so they're just trying to get more and more from a singular, like, narrative place. But in Japan, it's it feels more rare, at least for what we get. So it was kind of interesting um, that we got it, because it's not the same author. I believe it's somebody else. Hmm. And I don't think I've really run into that before, where they're running mostly concurrently. I don't actually really know when Vigilante started in relation to the original manga. But Now, do you think... I mean, you mentioned you know, the Western part of that. Like, do you think that there's some kind of influence going on? Uh, maybe. I mean, we see that. I mean, My Hero Academia in itself is a very Western influence thing of like all the different eras of Western right. comic books. But it's interesting that this is like the first, the first major one that I can think of. Cause we've definitely seen sequel things. Cause what we've like Boruto to Naruto, but isn't, that's the same author, isn't it? Like it's a continuation mm. It's not the same artist. Oh, okay. Um, it's one of, I believe one of his assistants took it over. That would make sense. Uh, his name is still on it. And I was going to say, I, I read Dragon Ball Super where Toriyama's name is still on it, but it's kind of questionable how much he's actually contributing. So I guess what? We would call that one like a sequel series then. Dragon Ball Super is a sequel series. Yeah. that's there's de- And there's definitely a distinct difference between a sequel and a spinoff, although... I'm not exactly sure what that line is. Well, I mean, yeah, Super is just a continuation. It's the same characters just taking place later in their lives. Right. 
So what does constitute a spinoff? I, I think there's an, an easy line in that, like, it's something that takes place in the same universe, but it follows different characters. That's what I would say. Yeah, I would say, like, I would say, like, Vigilantes is a spinoff prequel following different characters, but there are some characters from the main series who do play a fairly major part. But they're not the main... He, none of them are the main character. Can you call that a prequel? Because if Can we, I call that a prequel or a spinoff? Because I can't call it a prequel because it's taking I mean, place before, well before the events of My Hero Academia I proper. Think, I think we can establish completely that it is a spinoff as it follows different characters. Correct. And it certainly takes place beforehand. But does prequel need to follow the same connotation as sequel in that like oh because it is following different characters is this a prequel right well what because it's it's a prequel to certain characters there are certain characters that now because i've read vigilantes i have more of a context for that i didn't have just admittedly watching the my hero academia anime do you do you use sequel and prequel strictly to describe a time frame and then whether or not it's a spinoff is like uh, an, an add-on. I guess the I guess even more so than the characters, a prequel or sequel is about the universe. I would say. So, like, even if Naruto wasn't in Boruto because he's not the main character, it is a sequel because it is something that takes place in the Naruto universe continuum after the events of the last one. So strictly time-based. I think a spinoff is more independent. Like, if I'm going to date myself a lot here, go for it. But the only really good examples I can think of are like sitcoms, like how Joey, uh, Joey, <laughs> yeah, Joey and Friends. I was gonna go earlier than that. I was gonna say like All in the Family and the Jeffersons. Yeah, they did start that a while back. Yeah, where you didn't, you don't necessarily even need to know that the Jeffersons ever was a spinoff of All in the Family, or you don't need to know that Frasier was a spinoff of Cheers. I'll tell you what, that one blew my mind because when I was young. It was Cheers was over. Mm-hmm. Frasier was running. My parents would watch Frasier. And then when I found out, like I saw Cheers <laughs> and he was on there and they called him. For, and I was like, what is this? Yeah, you traveled <laughs> back in time. And you're like, yeah, exactly. That's got to be weird. Yeah. Imagine reading My Hero, uh, My Hero Academia Vigilantes not knowing somehow. I have no idea how you would do that. But that's that got to happen, be. though, to people. Right? Does it? It has to. because Especially if you're someone like an actual Japanese person who's buying manga at a store. You go into a store, you physically pick up a copy of something. You see this on the shelf. You see Vigilante sitting there. You pick it up. You're like, oh, superheroes. I'm going to... This looks interesting. I'll read right this. right next to like My Hero Academia? That's I mean, it's like maybe. I've seen... I'm thinking... I'm ch- the Star Wars is always such an easy thing to go to. It's like, oh, I've seen like... Star Wars, like one of again one of their spinoffs, but I've never seen any of the mainline movies. It's like, and I right? Guess so a like bit more choice in that. But here, if someone like, was to read a book <laughs> about some kind of blue alien guy with like red eyes who's really smart in the Star Wars universe, and they'd never seen the Star Wars movies, they'd be super confused. I'm really confused who you're talking about. <laughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I I don't think there's it's, ever. It's a subtle plot. I don't think there's been an uh, an anime spinoff yet, or, or a manga spinoff, that has exceeded the popularity of the original. Okay, well. Oh, man. I could be wrong. <laughs> I, you've stepped on a landmine. All right. This is, this is something I, I was uh, looking over the notes that, that we had for this episode, and um, 
one particular item which we've brought up a little bit is the the influence from the West on on how this works as far as brand building and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I did a little bit of research, and as I was looking through, like you know what what have we had with sequels to anime and manga? And you you think back, you're like, oh, Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball ran for a while, and then we went to Dragon Ball Z, and but that was didn't. really popular. That was only in the West. But there's one series that is the granddaddy. There's one anime manga series that's the granddaddy of sequels and spinoffs that everyone is missing. Okay. And as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh, Does it right. start with the letter P? It does not. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gundam. Yeah. Yeah. Gun- so Gundam is interesting. That's like a That's a good point. Gundam is very interesting. Yeah, I guess I can say as a uh westerner coming to Gundam, I think we all came to Gundam Wing first because of Toonami and in Japan they are very confused as to why Gundam Wing is so popular over here. You're going to have to help me with this one because Gundam is a major blind spot of mine. I don't think I've ever knowingly seen any of it. I've just sort of osmosis things via the internet. But Brad makes a good point about how there's like, I do know that there's a million different Gundam shows and other things. So here's the thing. Uh, I, I started looking through this because as soon as I saw Gundam listed as something with spinoffs and sequels, it just came flying back to me. Like I grew up, I watched G Gundam. Oh, that's the worst one. I love G Gundam. Okay. (laughs) I had no idea there was other Gundams. Oh, what, what a unfortunate place to start. (laughs) But the thing is, you know, I look through this, there was something like 32 different spinoffs for Gundam. But are they all like different universes? Like this yes. is where my ignorance is going to come in where it's so, like you some have of it is and it just sort of promises yeah. you the concept of their giant robots fighting in space? Question mark. I don't actually know if that's a uh, Honestly, I feel like this is sort of Gundam is sort of like the Warhammer uh, of of anime and manga in that like there's just so many different versions of it. Some of them are sequels that take place in the same universe, uh same characters, some stuff like that, but then some of them are just like completely on their own g gundam is like its own thing yeah, g gundam is weird i'd, I'd think of it as like I think of it as like final fantasy you know how there's there's every final fantasy has similar elements like they always have the same like like fire fira yeah. firaga whatever sits in there somewhere yeah and there's so gundam in order for it to be a gundam there usually have to be um space colonies and the earth and there usually has to be some tension there and there have to be uh mobile suits which are the big humanoid robots and then there have to be these superior humanoid robots called gundams that are like game changing super weapons and it usually follows the the pilots of the gundams and their complex moral choices about the war and trying to figure out which side is right. So the thing is, is we, they started doing sequels and spinoffs to Gundams in the mid eighties. Like I'm going to present an idea um, using the thing that I thought you were going to say, which was Pokemon. (laughs) Well, and the thing that that's much, that's more recent though. But the thing that both of those have in common is that there's a major pillar of those franchises that have nothing to do with anime. The major pillar of Gundam is literally the Gundam builders. Like it's called Gunpla. It's like part of the name. Like that is 
a thing that is inescapable within kind of pop culture to an extent. Did, was that before the the anime and manga? I don't know, but it's it's not not that it's before it, but like that is a major pillar of which it exists. True, yeah. That is like known that like there are people that could, who have never seen Gundam probably who build those. Like it is it's a it's a whole thing onto itself. Maybe. And Pokemon has the same thing with its video games. It's like it's an anime, but it's one of its main pillars is a video game. It yeah. is a multi um medium media franchise that was fun <laughs> I, I, I feel, found that as i was going i feel like pokemon is more it's more well known that it's a show and a video game and but like, it does have it has a whole bunch of different spin-offs they've had multiple yeah. outside of the main anime line there's been i know there's been a number of different um like little mini series and other things there's the manga for it there's various movies including detective pikachu which is like a really funky spin-off i mean let's like, not forget the trading cards yeah, like again, there, there. It's it's a giant media thing. Yeah. Where I think what we were trying to get at with the beginning, with kind of vigilantes as our starting point, is like that's kind of like here's this one and here's this one. There's not like obviously My Hero Academia is moving merch, but it's not like it has another arm that is like this is a key pillar of what this thing is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you have something that it's more of just the idea than just here is the anime. It's here is the brand. When you get capital B brand. I feel like that's when you run into those more often. Yeah. Now that you've presented it. So I guess it's the, my question through all this is still like, how, what is stopping this from happening more in manga and anime? Is it something we, we want? I mean, like I'm having a really good time with vigilantes. I think it's really neat. I think it fleshes out a world that's got a lot of space to be explored. I guess that's sort of my position is I don't think that it's not that prevalent in anime and manga through just some of the stuff we have listed here. Some of the things that I looked at, um, there's, there's lots of them. It it might not be quite as, as prevalent, uh, as you know, the Western world, especially if you think about things like the, the Marvels, the DC, uh, especially the Marvel movies now. And with the TV shows, like that's just like a huge, they've connected absolutely everything about it. Yeah, um, but that was a thing of Western comics before. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, what we're probably talking about is the way manga is created as one writer, one artist, yep. a team of assistants. Shonen Jump, I guess, probably owns those titles, but I think in Japan, it's a totally different system of publishing where you would have a mangaka pitch a series to an editor and have to get picked up. It's one. Yeah. Like you said, it's one person. Nobody else. Whereas in play in Otis pool right now, the guy who writes one piece because it's not done. You can't explore the spaces, even if it's a cool world to explore because there is story that hasn't happened yet. You can't explore it. Well, and I think the legal relationship is different too. Uh Like I, I think Oda actually owns one piece and Luffy and his characters in a way that, you know, um, obviously everybody other than Stan Lee did not own theirs. Like Jack Kirby, you know, had to die before he got his name put on any of the <laughs> right. Marvel stuff. And so only the, only the, the best writers and artists can walk into Marvel or DC and pitch them a series. For the most part, they come up with their plans with their own team and then they hire out 
artists and writers to yeah. to yeah. execute them. They're well, yeah, I mean, the, the directors. There's there's different directors for it, like every single movie, because what they're doing is they're going here's the movie that we want. Who's a famous uh, director who's got some kind of vision for this? And then Kevin Feige comes in and his team and goes, okay, here's how you fit the MCU. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I think it's coming the other direction. Feige's first is going, or, you know, people might come and pitch it, but they're they're then going out and seeking a director. Um, The last, uh, the Doctor Strange movie that just came out, Sam Raimi, they they brought him back. Like, he hadn't done any of that stuff for a while. They brought him back and, like... Here, do this movie. It's rainy as heck. I love it. So I guess that's why we don't normally see it. And I I wish I would have been able to do more research into why. I keep coming back to Vigilantes because it's the one that stands out the strongest. Because in American comics, it's like you get spinoffs all the time of like, here's this character in this thing. Here's a side series of this is what they were doing when they weren't on, you know, quote unquote screen at the time. I think it is. It, it They do tend to be easy to miss. Because, you know, I was looking through stuff and... Yeah, give me and some examples. I, you know, it just came up and I was like, oh, this is... I mean, the Gundam was the big one. Um, but another one that I actually know of that I hadn't thought of until I started looking into this. Um, you guys... I, I believe you guys have heard of this. Uh, is it wrong to try and pick up girls in a dungeon? Do you remember that one? I've never read it. But I've, I, heard you, yeah. I've heard you and other people talk about it. There's a, there's a, uh, a spinoff... Which takes place at the same time. So a midquel, and I'm I'm wondering if you if that is purely a spinoff then because it's not a sequel or a prequel, um, but that uh, that spinoff follows the main love interest, and I haven't watched the entirety of the last season, so uh, don't come at me if, <laughs> if she's not the main love interest anymore. Um, I guess she wasn't. Well. I'm not going to go into that, but <laughs> smart choice. <laughs> they uh, they animated the the whole spinoff series, so you had like the first season, and then this spinoff came out. And actually, technically, it the main character in that one was the companion of the the girl. So, but she's following her. So, anyway, had well, the main series finished, or was this was this no. So, so yeah, the main just series like, is running while this spinoff is also running. Yep. What is what is the source material of How to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon? Is it a light novel? That's a good question, and I should have looked into that. I feel like this this episode's been a lot of if we did more research, and because usually we just do off the dome and we know things. <laughs> well, but. the the reason I ask is because you know what you're getting at with Gundam and Pokemon is these are brands. Now Gundam didn't start as a brand, but these are now brands that are owned by large companies that have a financial incentive to have something on television advertising the other thing they sell. Yeah. And there's not some big unanswered question about the universe, especially if they can just keep making new ones and in I, those spaces. And I think that bears more resemblance to what Marvel has done mm. with they own this big brand and they weren't always very good at it. They they've published way too many comics in the past, but <laughs> I would say you can probably go back as early as like the the nineteen fifties or so. And I don't know how much you guys know about like the origins of manga publishing, but I don't, but I'm excited to hear about it. Um manga started out as uh, obviously like children's comics for 
um, rent. You would go to like a library and you could rent the manga magazines the way you would rent a video. And then that got divisive. The certain manga artists wanted to keep it going like that. Some manga artists started switching that out for more cheaply published pulp magazines that would go on to become your weekly Shonen Jumps. And then there was a brief return to the <laughs> the lending renting model. But I think ultimately the weekly magazines kind of won out in the end. And then they started publishing them in collected graphic novels, which was kind of the compromise that was completely different from what was happening in America at the same time where we were developing the comics code authority, which obliterated almost every comics publishing company in America, except like your DCs and your Marvels because they were publishing the least offensive, most easily tailored to the moral code of the comics code authority, golden age of superhero type stuff. And so they developed those like big things because they were the only, they were the only market in town and everybody who wanted to work as an artist had to go work for them. Whereas Japan stayed like fiercely independent and the authors of the mangas still have a lot of ownership over their material, I think. That feels so backwards. When, I, <laughs> when you describe it like so plainly like that, and I really think about it, like the Japanese, fiercely individualistic. The Americans, just completely about the group <laughs> and not the individual. Which, like, I mean, capitalism, whatever, whatever, but, like, that is an interesting way to look at it. Because I feel like, yeah, if you've got one person holding the mic, there's not really a lot of space input for somebody else to come in. I here. think it, I think it really is capitalism, whatever, whatever that, uh, yeah. that is the yeah, driving yeah, yeah. force behind that. But it's interesting before that's like fully taken root that that's already, I mean, I guess yeah. it took root a long time ago. So Cause it's, it's easy to go like, Oh, they want to share things with, it was like, no, they want the corporation to own it yeah. so yeah, they yeah. can dictate things. Well, and keep in mind too, in the fifties, you've got Japan recovering from world war two. They're occupied by the United States, there's a ton of political unrest. Manga, in a lot of ways, you could argue, became like their rock and roll. There was actually, mm. manga was a huge source of like leftist agenda <laughs> politics. Whoa. Um, there's something I want to talk about on this podcast eventually called Gekiga, which came out as like an alternative to manga. Uh, manga means like whimsical images, and Gekiga means dramatic images. And so the Gekiga was like a rebellion against the cutesy Astro Boy type cartoons. <laughs> and That's neat. Yeah, they wanted to tell more serious stories about like the working man getting screwed. And they did. And that led to a whole big thing. But keeping in mind, Japan is not like very religious. America very was religious. very religious. Now, both of them hated communism. That's why we were buds in the cold. Yeah. <laughs> so they kind of bonded over that. But morally speaking, Japan didn't have a lot of our hangups. And so they were like in the 50s and 60s, Gekiga were publishing these um, hyper violent, hyper sexual things. But it still was like a cheap mode of entertainment at a time when resources were scarce. So they were just printing whatever you you drew like if you showed up with a comic it would get printed because mm -hmm. they just needed to fill shelves and for whatever reason we had the the post-world war ii 
opposite reaction of the red scare and like we've got to get our morals in order and shut everything down yeah we kind of battened it down after that yeah so you needed the approval of the comics code authority or no store would carry your stuff you could still publish it but nobody would sell it without that stamp so we concentrated all our intellectual property into these big marvel and dc corporations that were willing to play by the rules and japan had this more like i guess artist friendly environment and i think that carries through but now i think you're starting to see like with my hero academia vigilantes that japan's realizing they're they're leaving money on the table whereas before you didn't get a lot of spinoffs because Oda owns One Piece. You can't do a spinoff without his permission, and he doesn't have time to work on it because he's making One Piece. But I think now I'd be interested to know if Shonen Jump is maybe negotiating that into the contracts, <laughs> where they they want the ability to do spinoffs. There's been a Demon Slayer spinoff. There's been the My Hero spinoff, the Naruto sequel, the Dragon Ball sequel. They don't want these big properties to die. And I think they are seeing what Marvel's doing and they are trying to build their own brand around it. So what do you think the tipping point is for something to go from, oh, this is just a series and maybe there's a spinoff or two, to a brand? They would need to concentrate the intellectual property under one entity. Oh? Like if Shonen Jump... If if you pitch your idea to shonen jump and shonen jump takes it and they own it if i pitched a superhero to marvel today there would be a huge legal contract we'd have to draw up over who has what rights to it and whatnot because i'm guessing marvel would retain the exclusive rights to publish that superhero Mm -hmm. and i might retain the right to get a dollar every time they do that but so in this situation, I mean, you're going to, I mean, Marvel is sort of the brand, right? It's not, yeah. it's not that Iron Man is the brand. Iron Man, Iron Man is, is a brand now inside of right. this, this brand of brands. So is right. it, is it Shonen, Shonen Jump is the brand? I mean, technically you could say yeah. that because it's the one getting video, the, it has an entire video game specifically about its cast of the people of the in the comics that it publishes yeah like uh, you're, not, you're not going to see yeah. attack on titan and jump fiesta so they do they do have that a little bit but i think they like if shonen jump cancels your series it's i think it, you, well i think you could just take it somewhere else like if if shonen jump like, there was a big deal with uh trigun did this trigun was published um, I forget in which magazine, but they wound up switching. And that's why the first three are Trigun and then the next, however many are Trigun Maximum or whatever. It's not a different series. He just had to like fudge the name. Go somewhere mm. else for it. Yeah. So I think they would need to figure out what that is because obviously the guy who writes My Hero agreed to allow somebody else to use his characters because there are what um eraser erasers in there <laughs> yeah, I I, i'm name. bad at all the names erasers in there uh i believe her name's midnight the one yeah. teacher who's got like the smell stuff is a uh, present um, mike yeah he's there yeah eraser and present mike are like buds it's like them before they become uh they all of them become teachers but like he's mid- thinking about it midnight midnight fat gum 
Fat uh, gum, yeah, fat gum's really cool in there. I like I like young fat gum. Um, that uh, bunny girl who fights everybody. Mizuki. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, like she pops up. Like there's a lot of people popping up and having like full arcs and moments. That's mm-hmm. not like they're just cameoing. I mean, All Might's there, but he's kind of this big Superman, you know, nuclear option button that they're literally kind of hovering their finger over the last one I was reading it. But, um, like, there's enough there, but the main, like, there is a main cast who is not any character you know and will probably never show up in My Hero Academia. Well, it can't. Isn't My Hero done? Or is it almost done? It's still, they're in the final battle. Like, I don't, and I don't know how Vigilantes ends that none of these characters go on to become anything of note in that universe maybe mm. they do and they haven't shown up yet i don't know that's what kind of is interesting about it it's that whole it's the whole spin-off thing of like marvel of like i watch this side series or i read the side series for the chance that something from that little thing pops up in the greater whole and this is now reminding me i was thinking this earlier of like the anime movies or like is a video game a spin-off or like the xenoverse games for dragon ball spin-offs because they're following technically they're following you, the player, as a character in the universe, and you're dealing with a bunch of other characters that uh, I actually don't know if they're anime canon or not. I okay, don't so know. what I need everybody to do now right we're going now, off into the weeds. I need you to pause this episode, go uh, subscribe to Ramble Rousers, and listen to <laughs> the canon episode that we yeah, did on that, Ramble Rousers. I think that's Rousers. why this is like I'm getting deja vu <laughs> and old thoughts are coming because I so. think it. I think that's pretty important because you know it. I think if it's not in canon then it's not a spinoff. But yeah, if, if there's never any evidence, like if you, if none of those characters from Vigilante show up in My Hero Academia, does it exist? The canon only flows in one direction. The canon but from My Hero there is flows things, into Vigilantes. But there are things that occur in Vigilantes that are referenced in the main series. If Fatcom references the drugs... Okay. Okay. No, that's true. Then. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then so, they are connected. But I so, guess it was. Yeah, it's, it's, you could you could write something almost like fanfic. You could write whatever you want that would lead into. It's like here is unit of time where story happens. You could write whatever you wanted leading into that to set things up, mm-hmm. and whatever. The only thing that makes it the official a spinoff. Then I put in air quotes that you can't hear because this is an audio format. Is the publisher giving their blessing on it right or, or and, I, and I think that it comes down to like so like the xenoverse thing like if um oh what's his name toriyama so like if toriyama comes in and says oh xenoverse actually does take place it's in this frame of time before <laughs> super have, like, and yeah, like we're definitely if, get back into the canon conversation because right. then i go is G- i don't think he had much of anything to do with gt is gt a spinoff Yes, according it to was. the super a spinoff. It was. Ben said his name is on it. According to the fandom, he's not is. doing a lot with it. How so much, again, we, we come back to this. I feel like this this question is harder to answer with manga and anime because of this whole conversation we've had. With, there are a lot more creator driven and controlled. Where it's like instead of a corporation being able to grant this blessing, it's one person for the most well, part to I like guess... genuinely grant the blessing to go. This is legitimate spinoff boop. I guess then what... maybe that's breaking down. I don't know. Like now I gotta really I gotta bring back next time my research and <laughs> how vigilantes is happening and I, the context around it. I think then what what that conclusion is is if we go with our conclusion from our talk about canon is whatever you think is in canon is in canon. So yeah, I guess they are spinoffs. Well, the thing you don't have in anime and manga, well, in manga, you do have it in anime that you, that you don't have in comics is 
in comics, you can have the Brian Michael Bendis run of Spider-Man, where Brian Michael Bendis is writing every issue of Mm Spider-Man. You're not going to have, or you didn't used to have that in manga, where you just swap out the staff on the manga. Like Marvel owns the the X-Men, and they'll bring in so-and-so to write and -and so-and-so to draw. And and people may like those guys, but they don't, they're borrowing the characters. They're leasing them. The guard changes. Yeah. That doesn't happen as much in manga, or it didn't used to. You could argue that Dragon Ball Super is a case where that's happening because... That one's, yeah. Dragon Ball's always kind of... Super interesting about that is Manwa has a huge thing with that, where they'll... A a lot of times the source material is a novel Mm -hmm. that they're adapting, and then... So you'll have the the novel author, and then you might have an author that's adapting the novel to the manhwa and then they'll have a separate artist and a lot of times and i've seen this a lot in a couple series that i'm currently reading very recently they swap out artists and (laughs) people get pretty upset about that well that's change. if you look at like neil gaiman sandman it's neil gaiman sandman because that's his character but you could argue and it has been argued like with jack kirby is to what extent does the guy who draws it contribute to the creation of that character mm-hmm. yeah that's true i definitely had there was a run of um squirrel girl that i really liked and then at one point the art changed and i just like <laughs> i can't read this this is dribble i hate this and i think it was still the same writer and it just didn't work anymore i haven't had an art change yet that i was like oh i can't continue with this because i get hooked on the story and everything although ben and i talked about one on the bonus episode <laughs> where the art went drastically yes, down. Yes, I remember hearing very you guys talk quickly. about like the first chapter something is like good and then after that it's like who's drawing yeah. this? This is drivel. No, it goes from somebody who's drawing quite well to somebody who like struggles with perspective and <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's bad. Yeah. And I, that one I keep I I'm, I continue reading cuz I like the story. Yeah. Um, so I guess I want to I want to ask a question that might take this in a different direction. Is it desirable? To have more sequels and spinoffs. Actually, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I I was wondering, like, does the existence of spinoffs or sequels detract from the original work? Does the fact that another person, uh, like if we talk about how most manga are written and drawn by one person, does a spinoff that's written by another person, like, does that make the original worth less in some way is it i'll put it this way and the reason i'm asking this is because of marvel how many (laughs) let me ask you this way how long do you think it will be before the inevitable reboot of the marvel cinematic universe as it becomes too convoluted and nonsensical i mean they're technically already opening the door with that now with multiverse As, as has happened with Every Marvel Comics universe. Yeah, we're, we are actively <laughs> in the middle of that. And how pissed are the fans of the cinematic universe who don't know the comics going to be when they realize that they just throw everything well, away every couple decades? What are we at now? Like 15 years of, of the MCU? Um, <laughs> mm, yeah, we're getting yeah. close. I don't know if it's 15, but I know it's a, like a decade ago is like when we're getting your well, like uh, Iron Man 2 or something. And mm. now I know that movies operate on a longer on a different time scale than comics so you know if if you got 10 years of comics before they got a reboot 
That could be thirty years. Because yeah, there's a certain point where right. there's enough but, new people, like it's it's too inscrutable. There's too much of it to get on the ride. Like, yeah. that's the problem. One Piece is one thing, and people have that problem with One Piece because there's too much of it to get on the ride. <laughs> and this is, and movies and books and shows and stuff. So I would say to that in your original question, the quality and the quantity count. If there are too many, it doesn't matter how good they are. It, so it will muddy everything. The personally, Star Wars principle. My, my, my personal feelings on this are if there's a series that I really like, I like the core concept of, and I'm going to use Star Wars as an example here. When I was young, I was super into Star Wars. Like, I watched the the original trilogy on VHS like <laughs> 30 times when I was a kid. I read so many of the Expanded Universe books. And so for something that I really like, I want it to have lots of sequels and spinoffs because I want to keep consuming that universe. So I think that I think there's worth to it in that anyone who's really into a series can then get more of what they are enjoying. Now, that doesn't mean that every single uh, thing that comes out is going to be high quality. Some some things are going to be, you know, a hit and a miss. Or it's going to be important um, in the main branch. Right. But the the quantity when you're really, really into something the quantity starts to matter more when I think to some extent it's inevitable that things will continue and spin off and whatever, because as if, if you're writing a story that stands the test of time, it is going to eventually become legend. Like some of the mm. most famous anime and manga dragon ball included are just retellings of a journey to the West. Yeah. And so at some point, yeah, they're obviously going to have to, even if, even if Toriyama didn't give his blessing at some point, 50 years from now, somebody's going to remake Dragon Ball at some point. That is a really interesting concept that I hadn't <laughs> thought of and seems really simple, but yeah. Do you think at that time, now we're getting into remake territory and not spinoff. Yeah. Do you think at that time we'll look at it the same way that we look at, say the original Superman runs where we're like oh look how quaint he was just like a really strong dude who could jump really far i think it depends on the quality uh, the quality yeah, yeah this is this is a different this is a different topic entirely i feel like we're on the precipice of its own episode that isn't mon- manga and anime specific yeah that's I, true. I think it's i think it's important to the to the question as oh well, yeah just saying there's a lot of ground here we just and it feels like we've been talking for a while and it just i don't like, i don't know that we've we've got quite far enough away from the origins of a lot of these things to really know how it's going to play out. Oh, a hundred percent. Like literally vigilantes. I mean, the thing we come, I keep coming back to my hero academia vigilantes is still running and is like a kind of a maybe forbearer. Maybe not. Maybe this is a one and done. Maybe they don't do this again in manga. Maybe they do it again. I don't know. Like that's, I feel like that's where we are currently, we are forecasting. We're prognosticating into the future. (laughs) I guess what I'm saying use of that word. I guess what I'm saying with the the remake idea is more sequels make sense to me. Sequels, I think, are inevitable. Yeah. Um, spinoffs where you take one character or or one idea from that universe and build a new story around it. I don't know. I feel like there's more room for that because 
manga artists obviously have their assistants who learn to draw very much like the the original and, and have the flavor of it yeah and they can take it over i mean that's i'm going back to sequels here but that's what they're talking about doing with berserk his assistants are thinking about trying to finish it i hope they do <laughs> <laughs> i I'd, I'd give it a shot i don't know anything about his assistants but i'd be willing to see what they do that that seems like a reasonable torchbearer to carry yeah. on but i think that's what happened with boruto but yeah, the the spinoffs, I, I don't know. I can really only think the Gundam ones are almost like what if sequels. Yeah, because they're they're not really spinoffs. They're not really taking anything from the original and sp- spinning it into a side story. Vigilantes is kind of the the one main example. There's another thing that came out recently, but I don't think it has any legs. I don't think they're going to do anything with it which is Demon Slayer, where they had the uh, fire and water spinoff where they focus on um, Rengoku and the the water guy. Like, that's something. Like, it's, <laughs> like, there's, 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 like there's, a, there's a bunch of characters and places to explore in that universe that now that it's over, we just didn't. So that, like, makes sense to me. Uh, I have a question that your, our definition of spinoff that in a, in a series where kind of what it is is kind of shaky. Are JoJo spinoffs of each other? Ooh. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Technically, each one kind of takes uh, the idea of the uh, last one, but it's I following somebody entirely new and a mostly new cast. Thus, thus spoke uh, Kishibi Rohan. That's a spinoff. That is 100% a yeah. spinoff. But is each is is part two technically a spinoff See, of part I, one? I, is it a sequel or is it a spinoff? I want to say I from, a, from a technical standpoint, um, the, the ones that are following the Joe stars... As in, like the direct descendants. Then is seven a spinoff? Yes, I would call it. A spin-off. Then seven's a spinoff. Honestly, yeah, I think I would. Technically, it's an entirely JoJo breaks. It. JoJo's the exception that proves everyone. Oh, JoJo, yeah, JoJo <laughs> is the exception. That's why it's like I, I like earlier in the conversation that thought hit my brain and I almost lost it. I'm like, no, this is too powerful. I need to speak this out. This truth needs to be spoken out into the world. Yeah, JoJo is always a definition breaker where it's just like, well, this, but it's like, well, no, it's like it's technically one running series, but it's not. And it's yeah. <laughs> JoJo challenges the requirements that a story be internally consistent. JoJo challenges, yeah, JoJo cha- is, is the outlier in all things. All challenges the time. challenges any moment to moment to be consistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally anything. Well, I think um, one one thing that I I definitely want to put out there, you know, before we wrap up this discussion is. Thinking about the way that Star Wars has played out, I want to specifically speak to everybody who's a fan of any anime or manga. When spinoffs or sequels come out, you don't have to like it. And if you don't (laughs) like it, it doesn't mean that it's bad or it's detrimental to the fandom or anything. I think we're seeing a lot of that with Star Wars recently. People are have made their entire identities Star Wars. Oh, yeah. This, and this is an entire conversation. When something bad comes out, they get really upset about that. So I just yeah. wanted to throw that out there. Enjoy what's what you like. Do not make media your identity. Mm. It doesn't care about you. It's not alive. Also, corporations don't care about you. They're <laughs> technically not alive. Hey, we did a podcast about that on Rainbow Realizers, too. We did. Can I add two things to maybe close it out? Go for it, Ben. Okay. So there's two topics I'm thinking about that 
kind of go off from this conversation. One of them is the history of anime and manga publication. Mm-hmm. And the other would be the inevitability of remakes and what that means and how many remakes have there already been because remakes is slightly different than sequels. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a, a good... Uh, so what I'm wondering is, because I know... Someone out there is listening to this and not <laughs> responding because yeah, nobody responds. If you have a preference on which we would cover first, let me know. Yeah, guys, listen. We're we have literally one human. You can tell us whatever <laughs> dumb stuff you want and we'll dance. You we have so much power right we now. Li- we have a whole <laughs> big list of stuff that we want to talk about, but we don't know. Right to the top of it. Literally, yeah, we just don't a know. A couple words on Twitter or other ways to get us. We are desperate. Yeah, we don't know when we're going to talk about each thing. Um, and we're always lo- adding more stuff to it. So if you reach out to us and you say, hey, here's a thing I'm interested in, we will probably talk about it on the next episode so hit us up hey andrew uh i heard that we got some stuff in our mailbag that recently yeah, it's weird because we don't have a mailbag. Uh, uh, I guess little behind the behind the curtain, which I'm also literally uh, sitting behind to contain my my vocal powers. Uh, we record this at my place, and we've never released the address, but we got a letter here specifically addressed to the three of us. So, um, was there a stamp on it, or was this just shoved under your door? Uh, yeah, there's no stamp. I don't have a return address. It just sort of like appeared. You, like literally, you can you can hear the paper um, okay. that it was sent on. So we've never heard from anyone, and all of a sudden, a letter shows up. A at very our door. A, a weird letter. Like um, I've kind of read over a little bit. I don't think you two have. I, I don't think I've shown either of you two yet. Well, I mean, now's I, the time. I heard I heard the paper. So why don't you uh, okay. let us know what's going on here? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do my my best with this one because I've I've read this and I want to make sure I capture the voice of this author because it feels very particular and I get a very like Brooklyny sense to it. So I'm gonna try my best. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. <laughs> Forget about it. I'm trying to read the letter in this voice to get the get the proper proper vibe of it. Dear that time I got reincarnated in the same world as an anime podcaster host, Brad, Ben, and Kermit. That's us. Seeing as you have a self-processed Dr. Isekai Sensei-sama, and seem to really know your stuff about the Isekai process. Oh no. I thought I'd write to you with my own unique perspective on Isekai. You see, I play a very important role in the Isekai process. But I'm no otherworldly goddess, just a plain worker stiff. I'm the one driving that truck sand y'all keep talking about. Well, I'm not the only driver. There are many of us who take up the shadowy vintage on the other side of that windshield, sending a bunch of hopeless nerds to their power fantasy afterlifes. It's not the most glamorous of work, seeing as we never get much personal credit in the process. It's just your average 9 to 5 to me, driving around and running people the universe is sanctioned to be sent to another world. I will say business has really picked up this past so many years. It's a wonder if there are any teenagers left in Japan. But they keep showing up on my route, and I keep mowing them down with an unlovable accuracy us 
Travis have become known for. Oh my god. It's a bit of a lonely life as an isekai driver. Not like you can have a ride along or talk to anybody about it, really. But seeing as you anime weaves are so in the know about it, I'm sure it can't have for me to send a letter every now and then. That being said, I do need to maintain my anonymity. This job may not pay the greatest, but the benefits are otherworldly. And the uh, council that oversees uh. us does not like our names or information getting out there. See, I've already, I've already said too much. I can't use my own name, but you gotta call me something. Hey, this'll be a laugh. Call me Truck Sam. That moniker has already taken enough glory from my work. It might as well take it over here on the podcast. Your favorite driver, Truck Sam. Okay. So that was a letter. Wow. Um, a... <laughs> well, uh, thank you, Truck San. Um, it's great to hear from you. I, right? I mean, it's yeah. interesting. It's it's frightening to uh, hear from him. Yeah, I mean, he confessed I, to multiple murders. To be fair, the universe had sanctioned. You know, well, <laughs> those we know for Isekai that they've gone on to literally gone on to better places. Just to give you guys a little bit of an insight, I am already aware of. We'll call it the organization, um, <laughs> for lack of a better name. So I think that's why he um, sent it in. He knew. Yeah, he yeah knew but he knew you were. In the, I mean, you're the self-processed. Yeah, it's uh, You know, now that I think about it, that's probably how they got the address. <laughs> Do you yeah, just list this as your address? He listens to the podcast. No, and he just um, got to. He got to talk to his handlers and the, got the, like kind of through back channels and the, got it. The organization has a lot of reach. Um, <laughs> so we won't go too far into that because yeah, no, I don't want to. I don't want to out this guy. This guy's nice. Personally, he's, he's sending us correspondence. Yeah, I'm not ready. Via mail. I'm not ready to be hit by a truck yet. So. I want to sort of keep that on the down. So throw out everything we just talked about. I'm changing the topic of the episode. How threatened are the truck sands by automation? Is Elon Musk coming for him? I think it needs to be too specific. I think it can't be. I guess. I don't know. You could do a story about that, I guess. (laughs) Well, do you think that would be a spinoff series? (laughs) Oh, a truck, truck sand literally getting his job replaced. Here's by, the thing. Yeah, it's a spinoff of literally any isekai you want where they die there, by the truck because then it could be, how does he? How does that universe's truck sand deal with being <laughs> out of a job because it is now automated? We, we, we went over a lot of different uh, sequels and spinoffs in, in our discussion segment there. Uh, but I have to say, isekai has the exact same issues. And which makes sense because isekai is just sort of a uh, subset of the whole, as yep. it were. But there are countless sequels and spinoffs to isekai, and things that you wouldn't even think would need a spinoff or a sequel. Uh, one particular one that comes into mind: uh, it's a series called "The Reincarnated Magician of the Inferior Eyes." It's about the, the magic man who can't see. Sorry, that, that voice is like really gets fun reinc- to do. He gets reincarnated again and he also can't hear. <laughs> so the the premise of that is uh, it's just a fantasy world. And actually, never mind, that's not an isekai. I'll tell you about <laughs> it anyway. Uh, so he's it's a fantasy world. He's like the magician of the hero's party and he's like super powerful. So he's an actual they, mage. 
Yeah, they stop. Okay. They stop the demon lord. Everything's good, and then he's going on, and they continue their lives, and then he's like, you know, I wanna, I wanna seek greater magic, and so what I'm gonna do is I'm going to reincarnate myself, and he doesn't strictly reincarnate. He he actually goes to sleep for like 200 years or something like that and uh, reverse ages himself in that time. Okay. And so he's quote unquote reincarnated 200 years in the future. And the series takes place in the future. But then they came out with the prequel, which is before he's even in the heroes party. And it talks and it's like going through how he met all the various people and everything. And as far as I can tell, this series isn't incredibly popular. It's, you know, it's popular enough for a, only a manga that's being released. But, like, the fact that they then went, this needs a prequel, and it's releasing alongside of it. Like, the, the original one, it's not done yet. Is not it two different close. authors? Yeah, Which I would think it's got to be two different authors if they were releasing two different things at the same time, because that sounds like a Herculean effort. Once again, I should have checked on that. Man, that is really killing us this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's there's so many others. Uh, one really popular one, uh, you guys are familiar with Sword Art Online, obviously. Yeah. There's a spinoff series of that uh, called Gun Gale Online. I was going to ask about that, but knew so little about Sword Art Online that I didn't want to bring it up and then just go, I don't know anything. The thing about that is the connection of those two is very thin. Now, they take place in the same universe. They're both like VR games that are happening, but it's literally just that. Gun Gale takes place after the original series, um, and it's just a, a VR game like the original one was that people are using guns instead and they they go through like and they get stuck in it again no they don't that's the whole thing is like it's, it's just people, just people playing, playing, a playing a game that's the whole thing so that's what they took away they didn't take any of the isekai parts they just took that oh what if you just played a video game with your friends yeah basically oh that's cool and the well i the the hook for it is that the main character is a really tall woman who's like embarrassed that she's tall and and everything. And she tries to like stay hidden. And then, so in the game, she plays a very short little girl, but she also just kicks everybody's ass. So I, how many hundreds of chapters did they get out of that? I don't know. I, just, I watched the anime. So, oh my. and I did enjoy it like very low stakes, obviously, but it was, it was decent. What if they find out I'm tall? (laughs) (laughs) How embarrassing. My height. That honestly, that was part of that. Yeah. Meeting the people in real life was part of the the thing. Oh, well, yeah, but just the fact like I'm tall. I'm tall. (laughs) I don't know why you'd be worried about it. You're a tall lady. Call me up. Oh, I'm totally going to spoil it right now. But um, the one other person that she meets who's like super good at the game ends up being a really famous idol. And so like in the game, she looks completely different and acts completely different because she's escaping from her idol life by playing this game. So it's, it's a, it's a series about not being comfortable in your own body and then seeking out a different body, but then coming to terms with the fact that you live in the real world and they live happily ever after. So, which is nothing to do with the original sword on online, right? <laughs> Just it takes place in the same 
in the same world. Stamp the name on it. It's popular. However, there's one very popular spinoff. And you guys have probably heard of this. And this is probably the weirdest spinoff. It's called Isekai Quartet. Ah, yes. Oh, is that the one with Tanya the Yeah, Evil? Tanya's in there. Yeah, so this is <laughs> this is a chibi anime spinoff of multiple different isekai. So we have um, uh, Tanya the Evil. Uh, Tiny baby ha- anime Hitler girl. We have uh, Overlord. So Ein's the skeleton mage guy, right? You have Konosuba. And you have Shield Hero. Now, they've also now introduced uh, ReZero characters. Oh. Um, and I think there was another one recently. I don't actually watch this because I can't bring myself to actually watch this. I was going to say this. But, this um, sounds like the Super Smash Brothers of Isekai. It's, uh, oh it's God, really popular. Imagine? People talk about it online constantly. That's two um, fandoms I want to see in the same room. And I think it sort of stems from the Konosuba sort of standpoint, although it takes place in modern Japan in like a school. It's it's in funny haha wacko time yeah, zone. It's, yeah. It's just all funsies. I I I'm I'm the meme right now. <laughs> I have no idea what Konosuba is, and at this point I'm too afraid to ask. What? What? I have no idea what ben, it is. Ben, I'm trying to see you th- from my <laughs> my bunker shield. I've... Hopefully uh Brad will post a picture of on Twitter <laughs> to get a con Okay, dude. I have heard of it. I've heard that name many times. Is okay. that a person? Konosuba, it's like, it's the like first syllable of a bunch of the Japanese names because it's like the actual like full title is it's like something in God's land or something. The thing doesn't matter. It's it's the isekai that is not an isekai. I love it. Um, it is the most accurate form, I think, of p- playing D&D hmm. where everybody's just an idiot and they constantly, they somehow get through, but they're all just sort of like, dumb morons and keep messing up all the time and it's really funny but then every so often they have like a really compelling moment i i I do have to point out it is quintessentially an isekai yes but it doesn't (laughs) feel like it because it's a bunch of them like just messing up it doesn't have a bunch of they're a bunch of weirdos yeah it doesn't have the the show knows that (laughs) and it messes with them all the time and i love it it doesn't have the trope of he's he gets uh reincarnated or whatever and is super powerful he literally gets tossed into this world with basically no power he has the ability to to get stronger which didn't really exist in the the old world but he's out of his depth basically which is okay because he's a moron and a lecher and like (laughs) not a great person he is the universe treats him how I want all the universes that treat all of these dumb perverts that show up in all of these isekais. And that's why I love Konosuba because all like him and the, the other girls in his little party are all just dumb weirdos. And that's, and the show treats them as such. And it's so funny. It and is like yeah. genuinely, it is really funny. It's, like I would say it's hilarious. Maybe we need to watch Konosuba then when we're, <laughs> like genuinely, like, cause it was like that. And then combatants will be dispatched that you told me about a while ago. Brad yeah. is the ultimate of here's a show of a bunch of weird idiots that the show treats like that properly. And sometimes they get a win and sometimes they just get like, just punished for their stupidity. I feel like this is the only thing I could ever do like a reaction video to. Like, you know, all those people who are like, yeah, yeah, I've never seen Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. I've never seen Konosuba. Yeah, no, genuinely. It's weird when you're getting like a tag team from Brad and I both going, no, dude, you really need to see so, this. So, dear listener. I love Konosuba. I forgot. Dear, it's been a while since I've thought about it. Dear listener, please 
let us know if you would like us to do an actual video reaction <laughs> of Ben watching Konosuba. Or I guess like a, I would say more or less a reaction to more like a like an episode by episode little diary maybe. Sure. You can you can throw something. a webcam on me while I'm watching it if you want. I can't promise I'll have big reactions, but yeah. So another really popular one. Um, I don't know if the spinoff of this is really popular, but I enjoyed it because it was a nice little relaxing kind of thing. Uh, so that time I got reincarnated as a slime, one of my favorite isekai ever. They had a spinoff anime, which I think is canon, but it was is definitely sort of strange. It's called Slime Diaries, and it sort of takes place between season one and two. I'm not sure exactly of the timeline, but it's basically like a slow life anime where it's just people going about their day, like they're building the town and they're farming and everything. So... The, the main series has battles and magic and everything's going on, whereas this series is literally just like, oh, we're going to have a festival. Here's these Japanese festivals that I've brought to this other world, and everything's sort of chibi-fied, but not like fully chibi kind of thing. But that one's so much fun to me because when you're watching the main series, there's a lot of tension, a lot of heavy stuff is going on. There's humor there here and there, but like... It's very much battles and drama and nation building and all that kind of stuff. And this series, Slime Diaries, is sort of just like, it's almost like those uh, anime that are only like three to five minutes long that they do sometimes. Mm -hmm. The shorts, yeah. Yeah, except it's full episodes. Uh, but it has that feel of just like, here's a, a, a thing to just sort of calm down and like hang out. And it's interesting. So... Isekai is doing the same thing that all the other series are doing, which is let's just put stuff out. <laughs> it is the most popular thing, so I feel like the corporation I is the most is looking the most at it. Yeah. Now, what really struck me as strange when I stumbled upon this, you have all these different series that are doing spinoffs um and and speaking of not isekai like everybody's doing this and i said to myself is there any brand series stories that were not isekai and then did a spinoff that is isekai well, that's an interesting idea that time i got reincarnated as yamsha which i don't know how legit that was well that one is definitely one that exists. I don't know how legit that yeah, is, that though. One's, that one's a but legitimacy is somewhat... I did happen to find a very legitimate one. And I think Andrew's going to be very excited about. Oh, man, is this... Okay, I have a feeling I, I might know what this is. If it, it is, and I have an example of a spinoff now that I just remembered. Okay, let's see if you can guess. If it's something that is specific to me, is this the really random um, JoJo Part 4 spinoff where Josuke goes off with Whole Horse that just started coming out like a month ago? No, it's not. But wow. that's a good one. That is a really, that, <laughs> that's I'm not really an isekai. I, I'm really sad I didn't remember that for our main conversation because that is the ultimate because that is not um, that is not Araki, the writer of JoJo, writing <laughs> that. It's just some other guy taking characters that were from stories told literally decades ago, teaming up for reasons unknown. <laughs> 
That so, is mid-cool because JoJo's weird. Yeah. Because it's after part three, but before part four. So this is very specific because this is a series, or rather a brand, I guess, that has had so many different runs. There's been movies, uh, books, everything. Does it start with the letter L? Lupin the yeah, Third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where were all of these in my brain when we were actually uh, talking about this topic? Do you, know what, do you know it? I don't know what you're going to talk about. Just Lupin is a really good thing of yeah. technically of having so spinoffs. It's so Lupin the Third, Neighbor World Princess. Okay, lay it on me. So I've read about 15 chapters of this so far. And I want to say there's like 23 available or so. Um, they're they're easy enough to get through. I, I read most of them in, in about a day, I'd say. It was more favorable um, than, you know, juggling a stack of hammers onto my head, you know. <laughs> was, I'm, I'm enjo- I am actually enjoying it. It's not, it, it didn't grab me, like, in the same way that some others have, but, like, yeah. it's an enjoyable experience. Um, so what's going on is Lupin and his gang are getting chased by Zenigata. You know how it goes. Yeah. They have just stolen some uh, some gold coins from. It's not a museum, but there's like some people. They have these these old gold coins, right? From Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. And so they're they're trying to get away, and they're looking at these, and they're like, these coins aren't from any nation on Earth. Like, what are these? And as they're trying to get away. They come across these doors in front of them and they're like, quick, go through it. They all go through a different door and end up in another world. All, all of them in the same world or all of them in different worlds? They're all in the same world. I, I mean, I feel like those characters are perfect for that because they're practically like at this point for how long they loop on the third has existed. They're like, they're, it's Scooby-Doo. Like, Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yes. If Scooby-Doo has not isekai already, which they probably have. Scooby-Doo meets Batman. Yeah. Yeah. They could very easily just go, so, we're in a weird fantasy world that we weren't in before. We have to deal with it. Freaking them going to, like, WWE Wrestler World and <laughs> Flintstones World. and No, wait. That was another. The wrestlers went to Flintstones World. Well, so they go to this world. It is straight up an isekai, yeah. medieval fantasy kind of world, right? Yeah. And Lupin steals the princess and there's all this stuff going on with (laughs) like the princess wants Lupin to steal her. She thinks he's the hero. Uh, There's this witch that's like taking over the kingdom. Uh, The witch gets to Zenigata and they call him the hero. And he's like, I got to catch Lupin. And so he's chasing after them. Uh, Jigen ends up with some dwarves and he's helping (laughs) them out. And, um, Goemon is with the elves and he's helping them that out. Right. And then they start meeting up. And as of chapter 15, we still don't know where Fujiko is. The so. um, but I, her name was in uh, one of the, the titles that I saw. So okay. she's going to be showing up soon. But yeah, it's it's they don't get any crazy powers. But of course, like in no, the Lupin just... series, they sort of have powers like Goemon can do yeah. anything and uh jigen can shoot anything and lupon can also shoot anything for some reason but jigen's still there he's but the lupon kind of, can like master of disguise and like he can pickpocket anybody they're and already super stuff. powerful but yeah, it, it, yeah when you say it like that it makes so much sense of like dragon ball z like it's just it's such an easy and that like we said with 
Scooby-Doo. It's such an easy, like, here's a cast of characters that have been going on non-sequential adventures for many years. Just here is a new environment for them to have right. a fun adventure in. That yeah. is also kind of like, I'd say of the zeitgeist, I guess. But these guys are still big. So, like, of the popular <laughs> thing. Yeah. And so, I got to say, like, I've been enjoying it. So, anybody who's into Lupin... Andrew, I, th- I think you should, I think you should check it out. I think it's worth, it's worth the couple minutes that it takes to, to peruse it. And, uh, you can read a couple chapters in, you know, 20 minutes. I'll give it a look. That sounds fun. And Even, like, yeah. Lupin's always been something a little bit more for me that like in motion with sound and all that, but yeah. like, I've never read it, but I feel like this would be a good spot to start. Now it's not written by monkey punch. It doesn't need to Well, be. he's dead. Yeah. yeah so, um, <laughs> and he's, it, ghost, he's literally ghost writing it. Yeah. It, it only started coming out. What? Is it official or is this just? I'm I, I'm pretty sure it's official. Huh. Um. They're they they're doing a really good job with the art style. It looks there's sometimes when I'm looking at it, I'm like that doesn't quite look right. But overall, it it has the style. Um. The story is relatively generic, it's but it's fun, fun just, because you like see the characters get in those, right. si- those situations. Yeah. See what they do. That's the whole you're, reason you're, you're there. For. You're getting exactly what you want from Lupin. So I'm still beating myself up for not remembering that JoJo spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> like like Rohan's one thing, but this is very specifically not Iraqi and not both him and writing it and drawing it. So. Well, I'll tell you what you what we'll do is we'll do a prequel episode <laughs> where we'll talk about. <laughs> I'll go back in time and I'll push the car that saves Josuke, but actually, no, it's not Josuke. It's just a guy. He didn't go back in time because <laughs> Iraqi forgot. Sure, I don't even know anymore. Well, um. Maybe next episode we can get uh, Truck Coon to give us some information on his activities and uh, we'll see how relevant that is to what our topic is. Which, once again, you could control. You tell us what you want to hear. I'd also like to hear from any demon lords out there. I think one works at McDonald's. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be one somewhere else, right? Yeah, Demon Lord. How Anybody you... who's been isekai yeah. from a, a fantasy world to this world, I want to hear from them. <laughs> Manga Book Club! Dum, 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 dum. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> I was listening to old episodes and all of them sounded too just like I'm just making a jingle, so I wanted to do something just well feel comparatively. Today, um, to go along with that magnificent rendition, magnificent. We're gonna be talking about another very big and magnificent series called My Hero Academia. It's an indie gem. It feels <laughs> weird to recommend bread. Yeah, so this is... Bread. I, I, was, I was thinking about this as I was, you know, doing some research for this episode and everything. Uh, very little research, as yeah, we've clearly. mentioned. Um, but I, I picked this one specifically because of the tie-in with Vigilantes. Um, we have a very specific um, offshoot of My Hero Academia that... I wanted to talk about with alongside this discussion of sequels and spinoffs. Now we did already probably 
uh, get to the bottom of the bucket on vigilantes already. Not too much. But, I don't think I've actually talked that much about the main character at all of the story. Okay. Which yeah. at first I was like, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, I haven't really talked about the actual character it's about. But more specifically, I think uh, I, I, I I'm sure that most people listening to this have already either at least heard of My Hero Academia, but probably watched it. However, it is good enough that I want to make sure that everybody has seen it. Yeah, and then maybe to going to read it then. Do, do you want me to do my, my plot pitch on Vigilantes? Well, let's talk a little bit about the main series, okay, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. I guess, yeah, that'll actually so, that'll set things up well, so I'll, I'll, I'll plant my seeds on that one as we talk about My Hero. So, if you're not familiar with My Hero Academia, which I can't believe... Please, if you're not, before you do anything else, comment, tell me why, how you've <laughs> never heard of this. I've, I, never I, heard of it. If, if you're, if you're not, it. explain you not yourself. You the vague context of it. Yeah. So, the, the main premise of My Hero Academia is that there, the world in the future, there was a some sort of apocalypse, and after that, people started to mutate and express what they call quirks. And those quirks, for the most part, are little mutations. You know, people get extra limbs or, you know, they'll start to look like some kind of animal. There's That's it, sort of completely random. But a subset of people, and not a small subset, a, a fair amount of people, get a quirk that is basically a superpower. So, for instance, uh, one of the... Uh, characters that we first see can grow to giant size, and she's called Mountain Lady. Mount Mount Lady, not Mountain Mount Lady. Lady, just Mount Lady. Um, there's another <laughs> one coming back to who, tall women who has he grows like trees and stuff out of him, and he can sort of use those to like swing around and stuff. Um, so there's just there's an endless variety of these quirks, and a lot of people their expression of their quirks is just small, like. Oh, this guy's quirk is that he can control fire, except it's basically just a lighter. He's got a tiny little one. Oh, but here's another person that can c- control fire. He's actually the number two hero in the world, or Japan, because he can, like, really control fire. It's super hot, and he's, like, can control it really well. Um, the main story follows uh, a character that does not express a quirk. Most people express a quirk very early on in their lives. I think at like two years old, I think it is. Fairly early. Kindergarten, I'd say. Yeah. Our main character, Midoriya, um, learns that he has no quirk. And so he's going through life. And there's very few people now that don't have a quirk. I think yeah. they said it was something like 2% of the population. It's a really small amount. And he literally, and it's not like, oh, he secretly had one all along unless something will have changed since I said this. But I think it's <laughs> literally, there's like some special bone people who don't have quirks have in their pinky toe. I don't yeah. think I made this up. I feel like somebody no, that, told me this. It, yeah, there's, uh, it's like the, the pinky toe bone fuses, meaning they're more evolved because they're losing their pinky toe. But... As we get into the story, uh, Midori is growing up. He's, you know, he feels out of place. He's not happy with, um, you know, not having a quirk because he wanted to be a hero like his hero, who is called All Might. And All Might's the number one hero. 
And All Might is sort of like a Superman analog. But he's cooler because he's All Might. Yeah, he can't directly fly, but he's like super fast and super strong. He's like the strongest. Um, And so number one hero. And Midoriya is like, what am I going to do? I I can't go to the hero high school because I don't have a quirk. And my life is so sad. But he still really loves heroes. And he like has these journals filled with all kinds of information about the heroes. And he strives to be a hero. Right. So one day, um, a villain attacks because there's lots of villains in this world because everybody's got some kind of weird power. And the villain ends up uh, attacking one of uh, Midoriya's... We'll call him a friend, although the friend doesn't think they're friends. Frenemy? Yeah. Rival? Um Bully. (laughs) Yeah, bully is probably the best word. Um, He softens. And no one's doing anything about it. And so Midoriya jumps in to save him, even though he doesn't have any powers. Putting himself in great danger. In great danger. Um, And at the last moment, before both of them are going to die, All Might comes in and saves the day. And All Might sees what Midoriya is doing and... All Might goes, you know, this is this is what a true hero is. He's doing, he's trying to help someone even though, you know, he doesn't have the power to. And so All Might says to Midoriya, hey, I want you to take over for me. Midoriya's like, what? What, is, what does that mean? It turns out that All Might's power is a quirk that is passed down through and this is weird, the consumption of DNA you of the previous holder. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, we didn't have to... You don't have to add that if you're trying to sell people on it. Yeah. <laughs> he can pass his power along. It's like a bit where he's like, kid, eat my hair, and it's yeah. supposed to be like a weird, funny moment, but it's not important. Don't think about that too hard. Uh, there, it, there is a moment where he's like, you just need to consume some of my DNA. And then everybody just like freezes for a moment, and he's like, <laughs> my hair... <laughs> And We're it's still like, kind of weird, but yeah. That's okay. Not anyway. No, yeah. It, they spent very little time on it. Don't worry. So, so part of the series. Brad's making it sound weird. <laughs> so he can pass along the, his powers. Yeah, Done. The story follows Midoriya as he goes to the most prestigious hero school in, in Japan and is training to be All Might's successor. Um, the big problem being that All Might's power is too strong for his body. So he has to work really hard at also at both controlling the power and also getting stronger so he can use more of it. And that's his that's his hero's journey, literally. Yeah. And, and I think that's a uh, pretty succinct. It's more succinct than my uh, retelling of the entire first episode of Jujutsu Kaisen. You're getting better at it, Brad. <laughs> I will say. Yeah, uh, kid gets kid doesn't have powers. Kid shows a heroic moment. Kid gets powers, still figuring them out. You get an entire cast of other teenagers who have various powers, and them figuring them out and getting stronger, and uh, fighting the bad guys, and very got their own rogues gallery, and very Japanese. There's a clear hierarchy. Yeah. There's obvious goal <laughs> yeah. posts to, to move through. There's so I would say that my main reason for recommending this to pretty much anybody. I mean, I guess it sort of comes down to people who are interested in superpower stories, but. The way that Midoriya is portrayed as like very incredibly sincere, like the most sincere person to ever exist. Definitely a sweet boy character. I think that that portrayal of 
the hero's journey is really refreshing because he doesn't really struggle with his goal. Like obviously reaching the goal he has to work towards, but he doesn't really waver from it. He, he goes, this is what I'm going towards and I'm going to keep going at least so far. I would actually go a little further. I'd say I'd recommend it to anybody who likes Shonen stuff. I definitely recommend it to anybody who likes superhero stuff, but there is a, there is an as of yet unmade episode of words about books where I talk about how much I hate superhero shit. (laughs) (laughs) I could see, I could see somebody getting it being oversaturated for people, but as a, as a Shonen like onboarding series, it's really good for that. But I was very approachable. I was actually going to say, I think My Hero Academia is it, it kind of rejuvenated superheroes for me in that I, I don't know there's something about Deku exploring what it means to be a hero and there is all the great like super saiyan fighty moments but there's also some of the best moments are when he's just getting his ass kicked and he's got to keep going. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of... And he gets beat up a lot. Yes. And there's a lot Sometimes in there... he beats himself up. There's a lot in there goes. about sacrifice. And 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 I think what I like about Deku is what I'm going to call like the heroic follow-through. This is kind of what saves it for me. Because like part of my problem with Iron Man is like if you try to make superheroes like gritty and realistic you wind up with the watchman because the idea of a billionaire just coming at you with like his nuclear powered uh super suit and just unilaterally blowing people away that's horrifying (laughs) but deku has this heroic follow-through where he will save you and then he will make sure you're okay yeah like he'll give you a call later to make sure you got home all right he'll (laughs) He'll make sure the child he saves has somewhere to go. And he's not just a fight machine. Yeah. He's, he's an actual hero. Yeah, they basically adopted that girl, didn't they? Yeah. He's, <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. He's very interested in making sure that the people he saves are, like, okay in every sense of the word. He's not just there to fight, uh, get the glory, and then go on to the next cool yeah. fight. And a lot of the other heroes don't do are that. still kind of figuring that out well and that's why all might chooses him and so the relationship between deku and all might and talking about what a hero needs to be and sort of the corruption that has crept into the hero system that's the theme that i think is surprisingly serious and and often in, ignored in a lot of the hype about my hero because the, the fights are really cool the animation's great it, it is like just probably my favorite shonen of the current generation, but yeah, there's so much more to it. It has a very well-rounded world. It has a very like decent take on what it would be like if superheroes were real and like sanctioned and there's, and what happens when someone who is slightly mentally not okay also has superpowers Oh, and when like like Mount Lady, uh, she also has like product companies, and she she does TV spots, and yeah. she's got to look pretty. And the and the Dragon Lady, whatever her name is, is like a model. If you like all of that, I've got a pitch for you, then Ben. Yep, I, I had a feeling we were leaning into this. 
Okay, do can we do we want to roll? Go for it. Okay, so vigilantes, and maybe it's just because the, I don't know. I again, I've not read the My Hero Academia manga. I've only watched the anime, and I know sometimes themes can be a little stronger in manga writing when it's really one person's hands on the wheel. Vigilant is is a sometimes heavier, but I would not say like darker take on a lot of the ideas and some of the ideas that are not processed in. My Hero Academia. So, Vigilantes, I'm not going to have any names because A, I have not read it in a little while, and B, I'm terrible at names. Um, but you are following a kid, uh, I believe he's in high school, getting ready to go to college, who has a very simple power that when he has three points of contact to the ground, let it be through his two feet and his hands, or his two hands and a foot, he's able to slide around on the ground. He's called the Crawler because he's, they, people say he's creepy crawly like a cockroach. <laughs> he is not allowed to use his powers in public because he is not a sanctioned hero. He is a vigilante, so to speak. But he likes to dress up literally in an All Might hoodie and try to, in his small neighborhood, deal with the small level crimes that happen there. Um, and it kind of expands out from there. There's a there's a bunch of other characters, but it is very... It's something that is very about your community. There is another character whose name, I think, is just Pop, whose power is that she's able to like bounce through the sky, and she is literally like an underground like idol like she puts on impromptu shows at places and then the police run her off because she's not supposed to be there <laughs> she doesn't and, have her performance permit exactly yeah you get more of like what it means to be a sanction here the the like i never really felt i think they talk about it a little bit i never really felt watching my hero about like what if you had a superpower and you legally were not allowed to use it as a civilian uh, dealing with stuff like that. There's this whole rampant thing about drugs and people taking them that cause their quirks to go wild. Like, it feels... It's one of the most American-feeling manga mm. that I have read while still being a manga. Hmm. Manga-manga, in the same sentence. <laughs> um, they deal with, like, a bunch of the people who get infected by the drug... Like, get shot with the drug by whatever the villain is are, like, just, like, kind of larger, scary monster people. And, like, literally them dealing with... It's, like... We're not allowed to go into most public spaces because, A, we don't fit because these places weren't built for people who were bigger, and we are too scary, and everybody judges us instantly. And they, they open a cat cafe, and it's really cute. <laughs> but, like, it, it is genuinely dealing with that idea of just, like, these places aren't built. Like, society is not built to deal with us. We are the dregs I... that don't want to be dealt with. Um, just, like, all sorts of different things of, like like, you know, I talked about, like, the, I, I feel like the main cast is why you you should really stick around. Like, if you just want to get your little bits of that prequel bits where you're getting Eraser and Present Mike and Midnight and all that, like, their stuff's really compelling. There's, like, entire... I think there's, like, an entire arc based around Eraser and, like, his journey to become a teacher that just feels like it meshes in really well. Um, there's, like, an older... I don't even know if he has a quirk, but there's like a very old grizzled man. The Punisher dude. Yeah, he's like a yeah. he's an old guy and he like literally punches people and like he is the main vigilante on the block, but like he's been around for ages and he can't really go anymore. There's a really cool arc, um, Ben, you were talking about earlier, and I think both of you were of like, what does it mean that a hero has like is part of a brand where there is one of the top heroes from America comes over to Japan to repair his image because <laughs> mm -hmm. he got into like uh I don't remember exactly. It is something with like he's e either he's married or he's set to be. I think he's married, um, and he has like a moment of infidelity, hmm. and he has to come to like literally. They say it, he's coming to Japan to fix his image, 
Um, and there's, like, a little arc with that where he's, like, very vain and all that, and it gets better, and, like, by the time he leaves, you're like, oh, man, buddy, I'm gonna miss you, because, like, <laughs> compared to everybody else that you have in the main party, like, he can, he's the Superman. He can fly around, he's got all these powers, he's super fast, and you're dealing with, like, this girl can hop around. There's this old man who's just, like, he's really well planned out, but all he can really do is punch things really hard. Also, he's mad old. Uh, <laughs> you know, this guy can, like, slide on surfaces. And admittedly, like, small spoiler, like, his the main character's power set kind of grows in a really neat way that I don't think I've seen any other character really do in my hero, but it always was just like, yeah, I'll, I'm in, I'm on the ride for that one. Um, but, like, and it makes that sense of power scale, because, like, in my hero proper, like, almost the entire class has, like, big superhero powers, not just like, a, I have this weird thing and I gotta do my best with it to literally just help my community. Because, like, literally drugs are infecting my community <laughs> and that escalates to terrorism. You know, I think there's... <laughs> and it, I, I feel those themes a lot more and they feel a lot more explored than just kind of like, oh yeah, that's kind of a thing in this world and then it feels like you kind of move on. I've, I've read about 20 chapters of Vigilantes and I liked what I read, I just, I, I got busy and it fell off my radar. But from, I would put it back on your radar and I'm probably going to catch back up on it after this episode. Cause from what really I good. saw it, it, everything I like about my hero is how it deals with, it keeps it light and funny cause it is for kids, but it does deal with some of the realism of superheroing and what it means to be a hero, how it is more than just showing up, kicking ass and going about your married way. But Vigilantes started to, it, it saw a gap in that story, which was, yeah, you're literally telling people uh, you can't use your own body. Yeah. Because you don't have a license. And that, it, it explores that sort of angle of it in a way that just rounds it out very nicely. It is heavier without being darker. It is not gritty, necessarily. But it definitely feels like more than My Hero in the way it deals with its themes. But I think it deals with them really well. I feel like the way that it, it grows and escalates is done really well. Like, it just, it's got a very, as I'm talking about and thinking about it, even though it's been a while since I've, I've read a good chunk of it, it's got a very, if you've read JoJo Part 4, uh, Diamond is Unbreakable with Josuke, where it feels like this is, like, that takes place in Morio. It takes place mm -hmm. in a town, in a community. And you really get a sense of that in that. In Vigilantes, you really get a sense of that there. My Hero Academia, you don't really get a sense of, like, police. Yeah. yeah. You just, like, here is the class. So, But here it's like you really, you feel these streets, these people, they get to know him, they get to know the other people and all the struggles and situations going on. So There's, there's one piece of uh, My Hero that I think really grabs me a lot, and I'm wondering how much they they do this in vigilante so you can you know explain that then um the mechanics of the quirks yep. so i'm specifically gonna gonna say whoever's listening if you haven't watched my hero yet go watch it at least until they get to the part uh where the second year uh heroes show up the big three because one of them mirio his quirk is that he can sort of make himself intangible in that he can slip through, like he can walk through walls and stuff like that. However, they they explain all the mechanics and everything, and it's so realistic because he can he can selectively make parts of his body intangible, and in order to walk through a wall, he has to 
in order to walk through a wall and not fall into the earth, he has to make the part of him that's going through the wall intangible, but still keep his foot on the ground until he gets onto the other side. And then he can bring that one through. And they do this where, you know, he'll, he can like drop into the ground. And as soon as he makes himself tangible again, he doesn't get stuck there. He shoots up to the surface. And so he uses that in such a way, but it's, it's so interesting because like his growth as a hero is such that he needs to learn all these different things about how to control it because he can't see when his eyes are intangible because the light can't hit his eyeballs. He can't breathe because his lungs aren't there. Right. So he has to hold his breath and he has to like aim before he goes underground so that he can shoot up at the right spot and like know how fast he's going to be shooting up and all that kind of stuff. It's really interesting. There is definitely some of that nitty gritty stuff in there. If that's what you're looking for with certain situations and certain characters. Uh, Again, I don't want to talk too much about it, but the main character, the way his power grows, changes, comes into focus I think kind of fits a little bit what you're talking about as well, but I, I think you will find what you were looking for in here. Okay. It's been a hot minute since I've read the like earlier parts, but I, I think I can I think understand it does a good job of, of like basing it in something. I think I can understand why that why you'd be attracted to, to that <laughs> again, because like those kind of like downsides of a quirk that you have to work around really lend themselves to the puzzle battle kind of thing. Well, my hero manages to keep the the thing I think a lot of people really like about anime that we've talked about before is the progressive fantasy. Yeah. It's not a puzzle battle. It's literally like like you were talking about Midoriya Deku getting beat up. This guy gets beat up. Like a lot of maybe I'm just thinking about like the major arc that I'm in the middle of now of just like a lot of the times it is and it's literally what he does normally when he's trying to help people is I'm here to help point people in the right direction and get them safe before the actual heroes show up. And Mm -hmm. that is my job. I'm literally here to get away, to guide people, to help them. The fight is not mine. And running into more and more situations where he has to get involved, even though he's way over his head. Like, Mm -hmm. I never get that sense as much with... Somewhat with Deku. But again, it's that, like, you are mostly a civilian with a quirk that is not that useful, and you are in way over your head, and you need to do something because no one else is doing anything, and this is your community. I um, I just have a random story because um, this, is, this isn't very spoilery, but in the most, most recent couple chapters of uh, My Hero Academia, somebody shoots cold fire. Okay. What? Okay. Is it blue? Yeah, it's blue. Good. Now, I know a guy <laughs> who... Well, it's black and white, so it's white. Yeah. Uh, but I know a guy who <laughs> said he hated it. He hated it because it was not realistic. Fire can't be cold. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I just, it just made me think because you were talking about like realism, and I was like, you know, it's not realistic. The quirks are magic. Just it's magic, but. S- Sometimes they, people have a line, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> they find a way to make it progressive. Like there is effort, <laughs> like effort is rewarded. You can get better. You can improve. It's not like American comics where so often, you know, Peter Parker's given his spider powers and they're as spider powery as they're ever going to be. And, you know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter how many weights he lifts. He's got that level of super strength. But, uh, yeah, no, the, the blue fire was where he got off. But I was like, you know, when Todoroki uh, makes giant wall of ice, like, where did all that water come from? Yeah. Like the air. Yeah. 
I feel like that would cost some kind of vacuum. The moisture. I don't know. I don't know. I just I. I, I know. I don't. That's why I'm trying to do a silly voice when I say these things. So I I kind of lost it. I was like, oh that that that's you made it you made it all the way to chapter like 360 whatever. The uh, now you're getting off the train. The <laughs> shadow man who can create portals to anywhere isn't unrealistic terrifying and that was the thing i think i think i don't remember if it just cuts with just their they look like monsters but like or how much it was just me thinking about like i think they do deal a little bit with like what if you have a villainous quirk because we've definitely run it maybe that was just something we were talking about where it's literally just like no they... you have a power that's like that guy that can mind control people yeah you have a very villainous power like being able to use that in a way that doesn't make people feel icky is kind of impossible I, actually i think that's a really good example because that kid has a villainous power and they very clearly show like he wants to yeah change the connotations of it there's a giant freaking grasshopper man who's a part of those monster kids that are punks and they're just like i want to do good and no one's going to let me because they're going to mm. treat me like a villain even though i'm trying to do my best to help that does become a thing in in the main series but okay. they should probably do more with it so i'm glad to hear <laughs> it's it, it felt it gen like with, especially with like this drug angle like this is the first time i've genuinely felt reading a manga the sense of like i'm dealing with urban racism right now yeah. and i never like even if that topic like racism has been dealt with in in manga and anime that i've seen this is the first time like it felt like oh this is how i see it in america this is how these are the ways that it's described in the ways that it plays out like it, again, it, it's it's in a way that I can't quite put my finger on. It's one of the most Western feeling manga that I've ever read. For for mainline My Hero Academia, there is a subplot where the bad guy tries to uh, point out to the, I think they call them anthropomorphs, that they um, they're getting a raw deal from superhero society, but. It's it's kind of an afterthought for him, and therefore it's yeah. kind of an afterthought for them. It is not. It is a major theme. Yeah. We, they take time and effort with here and check back up on. So yeah, no, read like as with always these things. I'm now very excited to catch up on it because I let it go for a couple months because it was like I was getting we were in like a really long multiple chapter running like big climax moment, and it's just like just one more week and it'll be finally over, and then it was like months and months. And it's like, I have to take a break. I need, I can't, yeah. I can't keep stringing myself along, but it, like, it's, it's so good. Yeah. So recommendation from me, big recommend. Yep. Gets, gets the Ben recommend. Yeah. Um, where can people find that? that Shonen is on, jump. Yeah. It's, it's on, on Viz. It's on Viz. Yep. It's on Viz. yep. Um, and, uh, as we mentioned on a previous episode, you can get, a month. get Viz for very cheap. It's yeah. definitely worth it. You can actually read the latest five chapters for free. And the first five chapters. So if you're something you're not sure about, you can give that a shot and go, man, I want to keep reading this. And $2 for literally their entire catalog. Yeah. I wish they would sponsor us because I would, I shout about this service from the Hilltops. It's the best. Their phone app's pretty great. I like that. Their website I, could use some. I work, would like it, it well if enough. their desktop website would keep track of what yeah, you've read. Me too. The that's, app does. That's my the, only. The that's my only gripe. I'm gonna go send them a correspondence <laughs> about that. Well, there you have it. One more episode in the bag. Lucky number seven. Yeah. I hope everybody enjoyed that, and uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, comment, all the fun social media stuff. You can find us on our website, animepodcasterreincarnation.com. You can catch me on Twitter at Isekai Sensei. You can email me, Isekai Sama at gmail.com. 
We also have our YouTube channel. That time I got reincarnated as an anime podcaster. And uh, check us out on Good Pods, which is a great place to rate the episode and, and comment. Ben, you want to plug in? Yeah, if you haven't uh, had enough of me waxing philosophic about uh, children's media, I also do a podcast called Words About Books. You can get that wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter at Benbo Swaggins. Just going to plug the website one more time. Anime Podcaster Reincarnation. Yes. Dot com. Uh, because I blog frequently on there. I'm, trying, I'm doing one a week. So check it out. Awesome. And um, tune in to Words About Books in the month of June if you want to hear all about Thrawn. Yeah. <laughs> Mithron Naruto. That voice to use the sound to make for throat. <laughs> Andrew, you got a plug? Um, you can find me here. Uh, you can also find me. I stream uh, a game with my buddy Noah from Plus Two Comedy at his Twitch on Thursdays, and then on his, that will then end up on his YouTube channel, Plus Two Comedy Gaming. We're playing Steven's Sausage Roll, and I'm making up lore about a game, a puzzle game about rolling sausages around to cook them. Uh, so if you like my weird, absurdist humor, uh, go find me over there. And don't forget, we, we plugged two different Ramble Rousers episodes this this episode, hey, so make sure you go check those out. Check those out, or maybe they'll they'll make their way to this feed if we need another bonus episode. <laughs> would you say that this podcast is a spinoff of Ramble Rousers? Yeah, I would. Oh my god. It's more popular than Ramble Rousers <laughs> with the numbers, so... And we appreciate everyone who listens to us. Yeah. So please... Uh, reach out to us on any of those platforms and let us know what you think and you know what if you do that you can win a free PC game or even a physical manga we will mail it to you so once again thanks for listening and remember if you get hit by a truck and reincarnate in another world tip your driver Tell Gigak you heard about Freer in here first. Yeah, really. Stealing our bit. We talked about Freer months and months ago, and Don't, he just came out with an episode. You're not going to actually put now. this in the podcast. We right? own it now. <laughs> it's our thing. This thing this man in Japan or woman, this human in Japan wrote that we had nothing to do with. It's ours. I started re- reading Freer two years ago. I'm pretty sure I own it. I mean, we all collectively own Spy Family because we That's all read true. the manga well before yep. the anime came out and told everybody how good it was. And now everybody knows how good it is. You're welcome. <laughs> Cut all of that. <laughs> Do not put any of that in there. I not most right. certainly will not. Everybody's going to be like, what are the hell are they talking about? Who's Gigguk? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who is Gigguk? Oh, it just keeps going.